What's up, gents? We're back today with an interview with Nick Cresson. Nick Cresson is one of my best friends in the world. Uh, he's probably the closest thing I have to a brother. He's a really good dude. Uh, <laughs> we get to play football together in college. That's how we got to know each other. And our, our relationship continues to be very important in my life and, and in his as well. So um, I look forward to sharing this conversation with you. We're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about Jesus and teaching and all kinds of other things in the meantime, talking about his childhood, growing up with divorced parents and all kinds of awesome nuggets, talking about God's grace working through him and in his life. So without any further ado, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. So we're here with Nick Cresson. The Vanilla Gorilla, <laughs> Mr. Muscles. Went Nicholas. back to that. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, Nick. Oh. You're going to have to do some editing on this one. Tell, man, you so tell it. us about yourself. You are a teacher. Teacher. Uh, so you're a gun-toting, beer-drinking, Jesus-loving, weightlifting, sixth-grade teacher. Yeah, Exactly. Tell us more about that. A little bit more about that. All right. Um, well, live here in New Orleans, Minnesota. Teach at St. Paul's Lutheran School. And I'm in my second school year there where I've got a fifth and sixth grade homeroom. I teach five to eight Fayed and athletic director as well to go along with my duties of teaching and coaching. And That's yeah, a lot of responsibility for a second year teacher, isn't it? I mean, it is, but I was for most second year teachers. But I was doing it as a first year teacher, so (laughs) yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, all right. There, there was, there was definitely a learning curve to be had, and uh, and overcome there. And I'm still in the process of overcoming that learning curve. The second year is definitely easier than the first. Good. Yeah, I've discovered that too. No matter where I go and or what I do. Yeah. The second year is always a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely staying ahead of more things in the athletic realm of my call and then in inside of my planning too. I mean we we do a two year cycle of most of our things since we've got a fifth and sixth grade combined homeroom. Okay, yeah. So teaching old testament Bible history this year instead of the New Testament that was last year, so after this year, I'll have basically gone through all the curriculum things. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the planning and the summer. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I'm getting a little feedback on here. Uh, no, it's just because we have, it was more running it through the computer. So you're oh. going to get two. Yeah, it's going to sound like it's not bad, but it's different. Yeah. It's, okay. Uh, we also have the volume turned way up. So. Oh, all right. Yeah. Any hell no, we're not going to edit that out. 
Anyway, all right. Um, so you also have you, know, you have a beautiful wife, Heather. Yeah, she's great. If 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 she's listening to this, man, I I do not deserve her. I definitely married up. She's <laughs> gorgeous and and hardworking and oh, she's fantastic. Lord definitely blessed me with her. And the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, oh, I better step it up. I really better. <laughs> cool. No, I think that's the right attitude to have. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Um, so as a second year teacher, you, you, you do quite a bit of weightlifting. Um, stay, take good care of yourself. Like you, you look good. I um, try. <laughs> I try. Even though you're one biceps bigger than the other. Yeah. But I don't do that anymore. <laughs> that's not part of the training regimen. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, uh, so talk about your young life a little bit growing up. Oh, growing up. All right. Grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, Wells grade school and high Correction. school all the way you through. I grew up my... in West Allis. No, I was Wisconsin. born in West Allis. Technically, I grew up in Greenfield, a suburb oh, of Milwaukee. Okay. Went to school in Milwaukee. Um, yeah, Wells Wells grade school all the way through elementary and then off to Wisconsin Lutheran High School. Um, one older sister who's finishing up nurse, nursing school right now, so she's crazy busy and we'll be graduating on my birthday this year so i'm looking forward to heading down and seeing her shout out to lauren yeah hi lauren and uh yeah so one of those sisters three years elder and uh, lots yeah. of cats a dog lots of cats two dogs growing up uh divorced parents which i think is a definitely part of my story love both my parents dearly um but yeah, that that definitely takes an effect on a on a child, and and looking back at things as as a teacher now, and seeing all the things that my students in my classrooms bring bring from home into the building, it's it it makes you think what could have been. Not that I'm upset about the way I was raised or or anything like that, yeah. because things happened, and mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything about it. It wasn't my fault, <laughs> so yeah. it's all right, and. Lord bless me through the relationship that I have with both of my parents and, and the relationship that they were able to continue um, even after the divorce. I mean, only only living three miles apart. And, I mean, both mom and dad were always at every sporting event and choir concert. And, and so I, I was definitely blessed at the relationship that they still worked through after the divorce in order to uh, give my my sister and I to give Lauren and I Lauren and me Lauren and me shout out to my father-in-law for that grammatical correction <laughs> uh Lauren and me are I mean the best possible up, upbringing concerning considering the circumstances yeah uh what do you, what do you think so a lot of obviously a lot of divorced couples don't get along that well or don't make it work quite like that so right. what do you think what drove that why any insight into that no, and I think it was just the realization on both of their parts that there's there's definitely a need in in a child's upbringing for a father and a mother. And I mean, we lived with lived mostly with with mom at her house and and every weekend or later later on as we were growing up, it was, "Oh, I'm going to go hang out with dad tonight." And it was drive over there, have dinner and or going to dad's this weekend and yeah 
Yeah, and it was just just the the freedom and and I think their understanding that my sister and I needed both of them in our lives and they were yeah. going to thankfully work whatever they had to uh to make that to make that a thing. Cool. So, um growing up in a, a kind of split situation like that, do, do you see looking back now do you see like different things you kind of drew from each parent or at all or anything or yeah you know i definitely like, what what would you say what do you learn from your mom coming out of that coming from my mom would definitely be the the dependence and and my mom was a a great uh figure boosting my faith and helping me to in, um increase and improve my relationship with god in my in my youth um we went to church with mom we went to church with dad too when we were over there on the weekends um yeah i went to church with mom had most of yeah that was a a big big bigger part of it um my mom was also driving me and my sister in our well more so me because lauren was smart um (laughs) in our education and and keeping us focused on whatever work we that had to be done and and help me to be as help me to build responsibility yeah. in into my upbringing which definitely could have had more of since i i messed up plenty of times and and was <laughs> irresponsible and yeah sure yeah but, but my mom definitely had a, a good influence on me in that way and yeah. and lots of cats and cats, yeah. Love love animals too. I mean my yeah. We had four cats at one point growing up and um just about always a dog in the house ever since I was in kindergarten or something like that. Wow, yeah. So yeah. Cool. How about dad then? What do you what do you learn from dad? Dad was definitely um I mean I, I, I cooked with mom all the time too, but but I liked the the style of my dad's cooking and, and my dad would I mean, we went went fishing growing up early on and taught me how to use a gun, how to shine shoes, um, tie a tie. I mean, all, all those dad things, he, he still, I mean, stepped in and, and, uh, throwing a baseball, I mean, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever it was, just kind of all the, the things that a, a dad should teach his son. He, he did. And I, I'm, definitely thankful to him for that cool yeah yeah so uh growing up what is that what what, what were you doing growing up like what that's a poor question <laughs> uh growing up uh playing sports you talked about a little bit um taught you how to use a gun so i assume there's some hunting going on there mm-hmm. um not in a while now but but yeah so definitely out in the woods yeah like what what starts shaping the guy that we see before us today um i think competition was definitely part of it i was i mean started baseball t-ball back in kindergarten um it was started wrestling in second grade and my dad did some wrestling too back in the day and and i still have awesome memories of us clearing out furniture in the (laughs) living room and and he would just let me beat up on him and uh yeah so i started wrestling in second grade basketball in third all the way up through high school at different competitive levels um football started in seventh grade 
Oh, excuse me. And yeah, so I've, I was, I've always been competing. I've always been in a season. And if I wasn't in baseball or football season in, in high school, then I was got into lifting weights and, and building on my body to Im- improve my skills. Um, I wish I would have read more as a child, but I was, I was definitely staying yeah. active. Um, didn't really like reading as a kid, not nearly as much as I do now. Um, yeah, so that, so that was, that was my childhood. If I wasn't at school or home eating, then, I mean, my cousin and I were out in the neighborhood on our skateboards. I mean, just being active, Lauren and I were playing catch, jumping on the trampoline, uh, playing basketball in the driveway, just, just doing kid stuff. And, and we were pretty much always, always moving a little bit of video games here and there, which take, take for, right, take for what yeah. you will. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think everything in moderation and, and video games were, I was, I was a boy with the PlayStation yeah. and <laughs> yeah. you know how it is. So, um, yeah, going back to your question, what was growing up like for me? Yeah, that was, that was basically it. It was all, always almost one sports season, back to back against the next one. Uh, so then, obviously, you developed some skill playing football. Then, um, yeah, somehow we, we, say we, <laughs> we played played together in college. Um, quite a football player, um, and uh, obviously, it is shaped kind of who we are, and that's part. Most of the foundation of our relationship was built on our shared football experience. But uh, right. so I know that you've talked a lot and you care very much about the sport of football and you, you have a great love for it. You want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I think that my, any football skill I attribute to my coaches in high school working with me and pushing me and screaming at me and uh, taking me through film study and, and showing me different things to look at. Um, so shout out to all my football coaches uh, at Wisconsin Lutheran High School. And so, so just that and, and their, their patience with me as I was still maturing. I mean, I, I was not even a, a relatively decent football player until my senior year of high school. And then there was some sort of switch that just Yeah, I feel you. Flicked. I feel you. And, and it was kind of like, yeah, that light bulb went on and, and I just got it. And I, yeah. and I don't know, at least at the varsity level. Um, yeah. And so repeat the question again. Uh, so why, why, why do you love football so much? And why do I love football so much? There we go. Um, I, I think it goes going back to high school at Wisconsin Lutheran high school. There, there is the motto of the football team, which is first Lord, second team. And that is a mantra that I have written on tape on my wrists or on my cleats in college or, um, yeah, put up on a sign in my wall in my room and it, and it just, it, it encompasses life right there. Mm-hmm. Um, where everything that we do athletically related inside of our relationships is first and foremost dedicated to, dedicated to the Lord. How can we show him our thanks and glorify him with whatever we're doing at the time, playing football, doing your homework, taking care of your body, whatever it is. Um, and, and so anything that you can do to glorify God and to praise him with, with your actions, with your words 
anything like that. Your your dealings with people interpersonally. And then second team, obviously, on a football team, you have your, your members. And football is something special, too, because on a basketball court, you can have a Michael Jordan, a LeBron James who can take over for their team yeah. and, and win the game. Um, a football coach in college said it it what you have to make your one eleventh of the play. Yeah. You have to do what you are responsible for so that the team can be successful. So you are doing your job to glorify God and out of love for your teammates who are doing their job for you. Yeah. And so that that first Lord, second team, notice in that in that saying, there's nothing about me. Yeah. There is nothing about yeah. me. It's not about me. Uh, foot, football, obviously, there are individual awards given out mm-hmm. in high school, college, all the way up to the NFL. And but but the the sport and the passion at its core is is for the team. There's something really really special about that. And and even in my coaching now, we and um and we we being me and my assistant uh, Dave Bendix, my co head coach. We, we instill that in the boys as well. There's something special about bringing a group of men together inside of a sport to achieve a goal where you're all working for one another. It's not about me and how many tackles I get. Did I do my job by filling my gap so that the runner couldn't get there and then he has to stutter and it gets smoked by the D end, <laughs> you know? And so... We, it's that it's that working toward a common goal with somebody. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he yelled that make your one eleventh of the play about thirty thousand times during the course of a season. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Coach Han. Yep, yeah, but he's right. He was absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I've heard a lot of people refer to football as the ultimate team game. Yep. Um, and, and there people make arguments about that that like, and there are valid arguments to it. Yeah. Um. But uh, I, I would agree. And I think that uh, part of what makes football so phenomenal, why I love it so much, is the physical aspect of it. Right. Where you are, like with basketball, you're matching skill versus skill. And you definitely are doing that um, for in a football game too. But about 80% of it is willpower. Yeah. And I am going to beat the man in front of me. Yep. Or I'm going to... You you are not going to keep me from doing my job. You are not going to block me. You are not going to run through my gap. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's not even necessarily, uh, as an offensive player, sometimes it is. Right. I'm going to beat the guy in front of me. Yes. But especially as a defensive player, most of the time, unless you're like pass rushing or a corner, like you, you, like you just got to do your job. Yeah. You and as, do one, you're one eleventh. Yep. And as a linebacker yeah. and a defensive lineman, I think those, those two, uh, core position groups are are especially just like you said it's it's about beating the person in front of you not letting physically not, be yes physically and not folding to what they're trying to do and there yeah there's something yeah. special about exerting that force and and doing your responsibility yeah. i love the term non-lethal combat yes and that that really is what you're doing it's yep. non-lethal combat yeah. Um and even even like I some of my favorite drills and some of my favorite um activities on the football field were times where it was you and one guy in front of you. Yep. And you say, Who's the better man? 
And, and uh, one of the things I found the most joy in uh, was, I think you know the guy I'm talking about, I won't call him out, but uh, he's the best football player I've ever seen. Best football player I've ever played with. Yep. And uh, practiced hard, and credit to him. And the ability to step up and knock him back. You know, it's just yeah. like there's no skill involved in this particular drill. It's just willpower. And right. say, I'm going to outwill you this time. And yep. I love that. I love that. I, I probably took five years off my life, life banging on him, but... Yeah, you know, it uh, it was it was worth it. It was worth every minute because of the respect I earned for myself. Exactly. Yeah. Can, can I tell the story of our, our yeah. first football <laughs> the day encounter? I learned to respect the okay. So whatever for, for he was standing this, across from me, <laughs> this was so. Well, I'm gonna preface this first. So okay. I was not a big fan of Nick Crescent. I didn't know his name was Nick Crescent. In my head, I was referring to him as Snowflake because. There's a Milwaukee. Or there's, a, there's a there's a car with Wisconsin plates, and I don't remember what the sticker was, but there was like a, some kind of Milwaukee sticker on the car. There was a Wisco sticker on the car, and an Obama Biden sticker on the car. And I was young and naive enough to think that if you had an Obama Biden sticker on your car, you were a terrible human being, um, which not is mom. not the You're case. Not it's not the case, <laughs> and you got to take politics out of your uh, character judgment. Absolutely, you absolutely do. Um, and uh, but anyway, I had formed a very hard and very harsh opinion that I was not going to relent on um, about this cocky, hairless snowflake standing in front of me on the football field. So I I will admit I treated him with very little respect uh, the first couple of days of practice. But the first day we had pads on, go ahead. The first day we had pads on, um, me coming in, so this is your sophomore year, yeah. my freshman year. I'm coming in not ex- not knowing – I mean, being, being a pretty successful high school football player, not knowing what that college level is going to be at. I'm looking right. for playing time anywhere I can get it yeah. that first week. And so we needed a scout defensive end. I played linebacker, but I was like, I can stand up and, and bolt and and do whatever, try to try to get some coaches to notice me. And the, the ball snapped, and Charlie's standing down in his stance in front of me at, at uh, left tackle, and I just bull rushed bull rushed you and i don't know if you thought i was going around the edge or what but i bull rushed him and put him straight on his back and just i don't right i don't remember any butt. interaction I, I bet we just laughed and i helped you up but. well i think if I, if I remember correctly it was it wasn't the first play it was the second play you put me on the backside. like the first play i was like kind of like half going and you like went and then it was like a stutter like are we are we full speed right now okay. and we were we were but i was you know 80 percent practice mode right and i shouldn't have been you yep. like you were you were going all out so in the second play um my brain is still saying this freaking kid is just gonna yeah whatever <laughs> and then you put me on my butt and uh you helped me up immediately and i just went and looked at you and went <laughs> oh, 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 it's on. Oh yeah, and like, and, and right from there, like that, bam, that was enough. Yep, that was enough. So, and then later that season, I ended up running the ball behind you. That's right. Yeah, we won't we won't talk about any records you may or may not hold. <laughs> <laughs> we oh. we although I will say, we still I believe hold the record for most turnovers in an NCAA season. So that would be MLC. <laughs> Knights football team, the 2011 season. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. yeah 2011 That'd season. Be it. Yep. I bet Our we hold claim to fame. <laughs> we hold. We hold. And it was. It wasn't even close. Oh, <laughs> we I broke bet, about I like bet three it wasn't. Or four. Most giveaways in a single season, and 
No, that was the year we played ten games. We did play ten games yeah. at least that year. Oh man, yep. yeah. we were two and eight. I wonder if I have the most fumbles in an NCAA season. I don't know. I feel like so. Part of me says maybe, right? Because there were a lot of fumbles. That'd be something but, to look at. And, and, and part of me, but part of me also says like, there's got to be some kid somewhere that just like couldn't hold on to the ball. But any other coach would have taken him out and stopped giving him the football. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Put- I still don't. I still don't fault you because you were a linebacker who was asked to play running back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh good times. Yeah. yeah. So foot times. football, and it still has. Even after college, I I have the awesome opportunity to to coach football, at, at my at St. Paul's. We have a, a seventh and eighth grade full contact football team, and we pull kids. We pull students from. The other Airy Lutheran grade schools out in Fairfax or guys come from Mankato, St. James. And so it's it's kind of like it's the SML, the Southern Minnesota Lutheran football team. And it's kind of the feeder program into MVL, which is the Airy Lutheran High School yeah. outside of New Ulm here. So it's fun. Cool. Uh, so the question, when people find out that I played college football, uh, the first thing they have, it's getting worse and worse. The first thing they ask is, so how many concussions did you have? And I had several. Right, um, you did. and I, did. Did you have any concussions? None diagnosed. Um, I think this was your senior year when we were at Iowa Wesleyan. Does that mm-hmm. sound right? Yeah, we went to Iowa Wesleyan. Okay, we we won that game. Yep. But they had a big old quarterback, and that was the last time I remember like really getting my bell rung mm-hmm. to the point where I was seeing a little bit of stars and and. I think that game I probably should have come out of had yeah. I said something and the trainer came over and Marcus looked at me. But um, so that one, maybe, but I, I've never had any lasting effects like headache or memory loss or right. vomiting after yeah. a game. Nothing like that. Not not to say that, I mean, repeatedly playing football isn't going to do something to your brain. It is. Mm-hmm. I think the, <laughs> maybe I'm crazy enough to say that the, uh, the pros of playing football outweigh the cons, right? And and just what what a guy what a guy can learn playing the game. Um, yeah the the other the other scary hit that I still remember was my junior year of high school, and we were wearing our all blue uniforms at an away game at at night, and I I went down the second half of the kickoff and just smoked this returner, went untouched, helmet to helmet contact. I don't know why, but I just annihilated him well and at that point there wasn't a right flag for that right yeah. so that would have been 2009 yeah 2009 season um and and i came back to the sideline and everybody's giving me high fives uh coach records just in my face he's super <laughs> pumped that i made this hit and and then i and then there were about five minutes maybe less i don't remember because that was a long time ago. It seems not, like not because eternity when you're going through it, too. Right, <laughs> right. There are f- about five minutes where everybody's left half of their jersey was blue, the color yeah. that we were wearing, and the right side looked green, <laughs> split straight in the middle of a person's body. And so, I mean, there's definitely but uh, something that's happening to the brain playing football, but I never had any sort of diagnosed concussion yeah. that kept me out of practice or gave me any, any lasting... Yeah effects and what i always say like if they really push me on if i i that's what i say too is 
is the things I learned playing football are so- things I could have, other- I would have otherwise never learned. I always say I learned more on the football field than I did in the classroom. Yeah, and even to go along with that, um, I love if you uh, don't know um, uh, Jack London's mantra. Um, I I don't know it verbatim, uh, but if you don't know Jack London's mantra, look it up. But he this the idea that I'm not gonna waste my years trying to prolong them. Like I would I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather be a a uh, burnout a brilliant star than um, be a dull and sleepy permanent yeah. planet. And um, the idea that I'm not going to spend my entire life trying to get more years on the right. end of my life. I'm exactly. gonna use the time I have. Yep. And I, I I would say even if at some point later in life and, and, and I know the automatic response to this especially from older people is going to be um, you'll have a different attitude then yeah um, but I honestly think I won't um, oh. I will say even at the end I will say I am a better man and I live better for the experience yep and I would not trade it for anything what I will say and what I have often said to people that ask that really push me on it is I will I will say my children will play football if they want to, they will play yes. football. My sons will, will have every opportunity to play football as long as they want to. And if they get into it, they will finish it. Right. They'll finish it. But um, they will not play the way I played. So thinking about thinking about especially in high school, not so much in college, um, but in high school in particular, I played head head first. Like yep. I played the wrong way. And uh, I play like my. I will admit there were times where I was trying to knock somebody out of the game or I was trying to ring their bell or whatever because I knew, like you know that's the first way to limit somebody's ability um and uh I didn't understand I did not understand the amount of damage you're really doing right to yourself or to or them or somebody else yeah yes. to somebody else so it was like oh I'm not taking out a knee I'm just trying to yeah. you know shake their head up a little bit and we didn't really understand that um and uh, like I think the turning point was my senior year. Um, I played a little bit of a defensive line. I played. We played a four three, so I played a little bit of outside linebacker. Yep. And uh, my best friend at the time was Austin Graff. He's a cop now. There's a sheriff's deputy in Kenosha County. He's a great. All dude. right. Well, I, re- I got to reconnect with him. Sometime. Right on. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's playing middle linebacker and stuffs the running back in the hole. And I came screaming down from the from the defensive end position. Okay. And I was trying to hit the running back yeah. and smacked Austin right in the side of the helmet and felt him go limp in my arms mm. and like fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those where like after the game, he has no idea what happened. And I'm like helping him walk over to his mom. I yeah. looked at his mom and said, I'm the one that hit him. Right. I am so sorry. Right. And she's going, Oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Whatever. But like it's yeah, something you gotta those... live with then like Right. I just put out my my friend, yeah, just being a knucklehead. Like I didn't have to do that at right. all. And, and so, like starting then, and then once I started getting concussions of my own, I was very careful about tackling the right way. So even if it means I have to coach my sons all the way through, yep, I will make sure they're playing the game the right way. Um, but they will play the game. Yeah, I I totally agree, and I I think I know the relationships back from high school and college, my closest friends 90 percent of my closest friends were made through playing the game of football and there's something about that struggle and and just being on a team together where you are pressing toward one goal and going on those bus rides and practicing and and hell weeks whatever it might be 
where there there are strong bonds created yeah, and absolutely and and ministry can be done on a football team too and there's ex- there's a serious shared experience thing going on there too like you can even if it's not somebody you played with like if you're standing in a line at a supermarket and you see somebody wearing a you know high school football t-shirt yes there's just an automatic connection yep. there where you you can have that conversation like first of all you know he's got some character to him right um even if he's an unsavory character <laughs> he's still got a character to him yeah. like he has he lives you can for the most part he's gonna live by a certain set of rules and he's gonna have a certain amount of respect for the people around him because he knows the damage he can do and the damage other people can do absolutely to him absolutely yeah. is, and and i in college too i felt inside of most games playing most opponents there was a respect after yeah. the games, e- even if you got crushed or you crushed the other team, yeah. where and even if there was trash talking stuff going on yeah. during the game, you, you yeah. shake hands after that clock hits zeros, and and there's the respect to say, "Hey, awesome work!" Like we we were both competing, we we're we we're trying to absolutely destroy the other person during the game, and you can get up and and shake their hand and and make some small talk afterwards, and they're yeah. The, the respect inside of the game of football is, is something that, that shouldn't be lost and should be uh, cherished, actually. Yeah, for sure. And and thinking about my own experience as well, um, I think before the switch kind of flipped in my head and I really, like you said, there's a mm-hmm. point where suddenly like you're like, it clicks and you understand and yep. off you go. And I think a lot of people, a lot of football players have experienced that. Yeah. And I'm sure it's the same way for other sports, but that's where it was for me, where you click and all of a sudden now you're actually playing at potential. Yep. yep. Um, and you really understand what's going on. You can process what's going on. And I think before that cl- that switch flipped, um, I think opponents could see that and they could understand that. And they knew that I was just a body filling a gap. And, yep. and um, I noticed immediately after that. So my senior year, all of a sudden, like halfway through my junior year, my senior year, all of a sudden I noticed, like you said, that level of respect was there. Yes. And um, even then, like – the trash talk changes and all that stuff starts to change and, and you do get to have those conversations. I think the the one that really hammers that home to me was our senior year. If you remember the crown game and we got schmucked. Yep. At we, their place. Yeah. It was yeah. at their place, but it was one of those where we had to put in a, a defensive package for that game. And you and I played every single defensive snap of the entire game. Yeah, and exhausting. I think I, I got beat. If we, we it was like 80 something plays because we were losing. And, um, it was like 80-something plays in that game. We played all 80 of them, and I think I got my butt kicked 78 times. Right. And just getting back up and lining up again and saying, let's go, let's go, and talking to our talking to our buddies on the field saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yep. And do you remember? We got, like, we literally, like, sat down halfway up the stairs like and had to recharge before we got up to the third, second floor that we lived on. I remember that. And neither of us could climb into our bunks. Like, it was yep. just, like, yeah, that out was... on the couch. It was the only time I've ever legitimately crawled to the bathroom. And there, and there's something about physical exhaustion and exerting yeah. yourself past a point, past the point that you think my body needs to stop here, yeah. and and then you continue to go, and and in football, in weightlifting that I'm doing now, um, any kind of competition, you're going to get to a point where the brain tells you. I'm uncomfortable, we need to stop. And your body's not done yet. Your brain thinks your body's done, but you have more to give because the game's not over. 
because your teammate is still giving you as much as they are doing now or you still have one more lift that you need to make, whatever yeah. it is, and and pushing yourself past that point of being comfortable is so incredibly important. I, I, I've heard it said before, and, and I tell my, my students this all the time. Nobody grows by living a comfortable life. You, you have to... You have to be uncomfortable to to understand where the learning is going to take place. If you continue to do things because they are easy, then you're never going to be challenged. You're never going to learn or get better at anything because yeah, beca- just because you're not how am I trying to finish if you, this? If you never push yourself beyond what's comfortable, you're never going to experience anything new. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. But, but to go back to, to that game, the two things that really made that game impactful to me was it was one of those moments in life where, like, somebody, asked, like, a coach asks you, you know, do you want to come out? And or, or you think to yourself, like, the game's over. Yep. Do I really? And uh, I remember just saying to myself, that's not who you are. Yeah. Like, we're going to finish this. I don't care how bad we lose, you're going to stay in this game and you're going to fight till the last play. And right. we did, and I did. And the amount of respect, like all five offensive linemen from Crown came down the line and talked to Ben and Ben and me and Paul yeah. and said to each one of us, just like, brother, that was cool. Yep, it was. Like, it was. That, was, that was the most fun we've ever had. And, like, and we beat you. Like we had, we had to play the entire game, even right. though we were beating you by... 45 points. Right. So, um, <laughs> 45 points. It might have been more. It might no, have been more. I don't, I don't remember I think the score. Last, we'll have to look it up. Yeah. No, um, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. But, and, and yeah, and then just the, the uh, like, that, that camaraderie, like Sunday morning, and you all walked into the cafeteria, and we look at each other, and we're still hurting and sore, and we look around at each other and smile. Yep. I did this for you. And and I think again talking about what can be, um, what a person can gain from playing football is important because the, then you take that, you take that understanding of how far you can push your body and your brain when when both of them are almost telling you to stop and you say no I I can't stop right now I've got to keep going, and then you get to those long nights in the classroom, you get to those difficult points in a relationship in a marriage talking to a a coworker or a student that is just pushing you past the point where you think you can go and and you say and you, and your brain's telling you you don't have to deal with this right now you can put this off until tomorrow you don't have to finish this conversation you're and, and then and then when when you're conditioned to going past that point and and to flipping your brain to say i've got to keep on going Mm -hmm. i think that's the biggest thing that i learned from football when i get to those difficult points inside of my teaching and my coaching and uh being an athletic director which throws i mean so many other difficult things into the mix um my my experience through physical exhaustion in football or weightlifting or any other competing, it was wrestling as I was growing up. That was, that's what keeps pushing me through those tough times in my ministry. 
and 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 that that's where I gained that it wasn't doing my homework uh, and then it's doing your homework when you don't want to mm-hmm. or yeah and it's just all those things that that a person can gain and and connect to their future lives after playing football um and so before before every game or at least the last two years that we played together before every game um i wrote on my wrists uh second thing it's 12 9 um i'll put second Corinthians 12 9 on one wrist and i don't remember what i put on the other wrist i put something else on the other wrist yep um oh i put kiakaha on the other list on the other wrist uh, which means forever strong. And, and so it came from a movie. I'm not afraid to admit that. Yeah. It came from a movie um, that we watched on Netflix. It was <laughs> a, a small budget film <laughs> for sure. Yeah, at the time, definitely. Um, and it, it was, and I don't know if it's like a big film or if it you know, won some awards or whatever. It was on Netflix. And we watched it. It was about a rugby team and about a kid who um, was on the wrong path. And uh, he ends up getting hooked up with, with a rug, another rugby team as a part of his like rehabilitation right um, before it comes back into society and their mantra is forever strong. And so um, that's what they talk about is they're always leaning on each other. They're always, and you can help me with this a little bit, but they're always leaning on each other um, and they, they never quit because they are family. And so they do the, they do their own haka um, before yes. every game yep. too. And if you're not familiar with the haka, look it up. It is the, the most masculine thing yeah, just, you'll ever just see. It's tied for most masculine with a couple other things, but right. it is the most masculine thing you'll just ever see. Go seen. on YouTube and type in all blacks haka, yeah. H-A-K-A, yep. and, It'll and you'll be inspired your to do You're anything. suddenly going to be a rugby fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's, it's awesome. But uh, so the idea that we have each other, so that's what we, that's all we need. Right. And, and obviously... We have more than that. We've got Christ as well. Right. Um, and we've got that relationship with each other through Christ as well. Um, and that makes a huge difference. But uh, we connected it to Second Corinthians twelve nine, which is where Paul's talking about the thorn in his flesh um, and saying, Lord, you got to take this away from me. you got to take this away from me. And um, the Lord looks at him and says, or, well, Paul says it three times, take it away. Um, and the Lord looks at him and says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Um. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses because when I am weak, then I am strong. And um, I don't know if we really realized, we did realize what we were saying and, and we did understand it. But I think looking back, I understand even better what was really going on is this idea that particularly in a high risk, high stress environment like a football game, um, you look around you and the biggest thing there is to fear is failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, looking at ourselves and looking at each other and realizing, realizing that and saying, no, like I've got what it takes. Yeah. Um, I have the ability. I've been blessed. I'm surrounded by family. Yep. I'm surrounded by love. Um, I don't need something more right now. I am prepared to do what's been laid in front of me to do. And um, we started saying that to each other, like in the hallways, yep. after a rough day of school. Wa- walking, I remember walking from the locker room, two by two, we were in the front of the line. We yeah. would say it back and forth to each other, heading yeah. out to the field. Yeah. And funny that you bring that up. I mean, not funny because it obviously fits into our conversation. And, <laughs> and it was it was something that definitely uh, connected us to was that verse. Um, but I, I just had a devotion on that passage with my with my kids on friday and um and then i have it up on a bulletin board in my 
in my classroom as well and and just talking to the kids about relying on yourself in life is only going to take you so far but relying on your strength that you that is given to you by God to do all the things that he promises to be with you and to help you do and then and then again in 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 football in family uh relying on on other people because you you're not going to be able to do it all on a football team if brian erlacher is in the middle of the field he needs his defensive line or he's not gonna be able to stop the run yeah um just like in temptation when when we run into it as as christians we maybe one two times we might be able to fend it off that third time it is it is going to kick you in the butt and unless unless you are in your word and depending on Jesus and, and gaining your your strength that he promises to give you unless you're focusing on that with him uh, at the center. And then uh, to close out this conversation then, um, the other part of it that is probably the most powerful part, it does not matter how this football game goes. It does not matter how this relationship goes, how this class goes, how this test goes, how this day goes, how whatever goes. Grace is sufficient. Yes. And at our absolute weakest, grace is the strongest because God's power is made perfect in weakness. Absolutely. Amen. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at The Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemach, that's U-N-G-E-M-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four- and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.